Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Gobble, gobble, gobble. It is the day before Thanksgiving, and we're about to have a podcast. And if you're listening after Thanksgiving, you can reenact your Thanksgiving if it was good. And if it was bad, forget all about it. There's always next year. But my guest and I, we have just been chit-chatting and catching up and getting excited for this podcast because this is the last podcast before we face the dreaded turkey and all the amazing things that go with it. So we're excited to have a little conversation today. But man, I can't wait to learn from my guest. Well, who is he? Enough turkey talk. Who is this guy? Well, he's a marketing leader, a thought leader, decades of experience. He's a team builder. He's a coach. He's launched all sorts of places and locations and games. Yes, this is going to be a fun show. We got games here, people. Senior Director of Marketing at the Escape Game, Teddy Cheek. Welcome, sir. Wow. Thank you so much. That intro was incredible, especially the gobble, gobble, gobble at the beginning. Gobble, gobble. Yes. All about it. (laughs) Pumped to be here. Love this podcast. Hell yeah, dude. All right. Well, let me pass you this thing. It's heavy, but I know you work out. <laughs> if only. <sighs> okay. Take for me Thor's hammer. Oh, go ahead. Grab it. I'm grabbing the real one. Here we go. Give me that. I'm pumped out. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Nice. Two headed grab. Very safe. Good. I approve. Some people come on here and they just they grab it like a tennis racket. I'm like, be careful, man. With great power comes great responsibility. Yes. So, yes. Teddy, take for me Thor's hammer and smash some kind of marketing myth bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. All right. I've got the hammer. I'm winding up because I'm excited to take a swing at this one. Um, All right. So here it is. It is marketing leadership advice that we're smashing. And that advice is leaders should hire smart people and get out of their way. It's feel good advice. I've seen it on LinkedIn twice today, but it's garbage. Um, And I think this advice is creating leaders that won't lead. It's creating likable, fun leaders who will sit back and they'll smile as you miss out on achieving the potential in your career. Um, And so I'd say the better way to do it, if I were to turn it on its head, would be hire smart people, then coach and develop and push them to be even better. Uh, Okay. Because I was like, oh, where is he going with this? Because don't we, don't we always hear this, this whole thing? And you said you heard it twice today. I, I mean, everyone listening has heard it. Where does this come from? Why Why does this myth propagate around all the place? Just get good people and get the hell out of the way. Yeah, on the surface, it sounds and it feels good. And I think it lands yeah. because any leader, especially a new leader, has a fear of being a micromanager. You're like, that's the last thing I want to be. And so I want to be the opposite of that. The problem is the opposite of that can be just not leading at all. Like, oh, I'm hands off. I'm, I'm that guy. When I really, I think the opposite of micromanaging is being an empowering leader that coaches and teaches and hands over real weight. Uh, the second part is it's scary. You know, we're talking about coaching. Coaching's scary. Like for a leader, you're coaching people that are smarter than you. Who cares? Coach them. More experience than you. Who cares? Coach them. Like it's, Coaching is kind, is is what I would say, is most people uh, equate getting out of people's way to 
kindness, but really what you're doing if you want coach is you're prioritizing people liking you and uh, more so than people's success in their career. Like they maybe they could achieve X, Y, and Z if you would just coach them. And when you don't coach them, you're treating them like they're at their ceiling, which I think is a pretty big insult, actually. Dude, so many bomb drops in that. <laughs> Not coaching them is like saying you're you're where you can get. This is as far as it gets for you. That's it. That's rough. And then the earlier thing I saw, and I made a little math equation here. Ooh is if you're not coaching, you're saying that people liking you is greater than and more important than their own success. And that is that is selfish. That is the opposite of what you think you want to do. So, man. Uh, uh, one other thing too, though, you brought this up. Some of these people are going to be more experienced than you and smarter than you. And you got to imagine what's going to happen, right? Hypothetical back to everyone. What's going to happen if you coach someone smarter than you, I think our uninformed knee jerk reaction is like, well, they're going to make fun of you, right? They're going to call you out. Yeah. You're going to be found out as the worthless manager that you are. <laughs> That's good. It totally depends on the person. You have to do your part as the leader. If you're the leader, you're the coach, whether they're smarter or more experienced. Now, if you have a really great person, they're going to get better when you coach them. They're going to receive it. They're going to be coachable. On the other hand, you might have someone that is not coachable at all. And every time you bring them something that can make them better, it's a debate. Um, I don't want to work with someone like that. And so when I'm interviewing, that's something I'm looking for specifically. Are they coachable? Do they want to grow? Do they have a passion for that? Do they want to get better? Because um, if you're just only willing to be coached by whoever you think the smartest person on the planet is, planet is, you're just not coachable. You're never going to encounter that person. And so every time right. someone gives feedback, you're going to push back and debate them and you're not going to get better. Yeah. And you will stay stuck as a person. Talk to me, man. What a cool word. The idea of being coachable. I've definitely tried to look for people like this when making my hiring decisions. Do you have any questions you like to ask that help identify a person's coachable? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one thing I ask a lot, and this is a tough one for people. So I'm like, take a second. I'm looking for specific answers, by the way. And I tell people, this is a hard question. Feel free to take a second. It's not weird. You can sit there and you can think about it and then answer. But I'll say, what if I were to call your, your current manager? And I'm not going to do that. But let's say I were, and I were to ask what are two specific ways you could improve? What do you think they would say? Um, and then I'll ask them after they give me some of those, like, well, have you been coached on that? Okay, what is that? I want to see if they have a history of being coached and also capture the tone of how they talk about receiving that feedback. And then you ask me, just one question leads to the next. And then what did you do with that? What happened next? Um, questions about coaching kind of go hand in hand with this idea of uh, internal and external locus of control. And that's something I'm looking for, whether people feel like they have control over outcomes or whether they feel like things just happen to them. I, it's kind of a connection I've made. People that feel like they have control of outcomes 
and everything happening in their career isn't just bad luck or something happening to them, they tend to be more coachable and open to feedback and open to learning because they see it as I can get better and I can better my career and this team, et cetera, et cetera. Great, great example. Um, what about someone who hasn't been coached before? They got, they got nothing to tell you. <laughs> nope. They never coached me at all. Oh, that goodness. would be great. Yeah, that can be a little frightening, really for the company they're coming from. I'm like, man, you're coming from a culture <laughs> that doesn't value coaching. Uh, that yeah. doesn't necessarily say anything about that candidate. Right. Um, but then you're going to have to dig a little deeper into that as how they might coach themselves um, and that sort of thing. How they think they can get better kind of goes back to those questions I can ask. You can kind of suss a little bit of that out. But that's actually very common. People say that a lot. I'm like, well, tell me about the last time you were coached by your manager. And they'll sit there and think and say, you know what? They don't, they don't really coach me or this came up in my end of year review. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're telling me you get coached once a year? Like yeah. that's not, that's not trying to develop you as a team member. That's checking a box. That's all that's right. doing is that's an HR box. It's like, we got to do the end of year performance review. A good coaching is consistent. And I guess I should explain what I mean by coaching. Um, it's setting yeah. and it's upholding expectations. It's pushing towards goals and growth, pushing, it's developing, providing resources. How can you get better? And it's also the fun part is recognizing and rewarding. Um, but those first three bullet points make a lot of people, I think, nauseous, new leaders like, oh my gosh, I, I can't do that. That's horrifying. But um, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's like, that's how you show care. Coaching is kind. Clarity is kind. You're trying to help someone achieve something. Um, you know, I'll hang out with a friend and they're a leader and they'll say, man, if this person on my team would just do X, Y, and Z, they would be great. And my question is, and you told them this, right? You told them that would be great if they did X, X, Y, and Z. This is going to help them get that promotion or take that step in their career. But it's just, there's a lot of fear that I think has created this hire smart people and get out of their way thought process. Yeah. I guess and then if they fail, it's their fault because yeah. they hired a smart person. <laughs> it's smart. not on you. You can figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you couldn't figure it out. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the locus of control because that, yeah, I've heard it talked about before and probably not enough in, in terms of hiring. Or we talk about all these tricks and games and, but just the, getting the sense from someone of how much of the universe and how much of what happens to them is under the, their control. I've definitely have some, we'll put them in the friends and family category that, <laughs> You know, in the holidays, hey, holidays coming up are often the ones complaining about, you know, the things that the world is doing to them. And you get a real clear sense that they're just sort of, you know, they're at the whims of the great beyond and it's nothing they can really, they're just sort of like fl going down the lazy river of life and <laughs> I like and ho that. hopefully yeah. someone gives them a pina colada. Otherwise, <laughs> if there's rocks ahead, there's nothing they can do. You know, it's like, hey, you, you wish the best, but I don't, I don't know if, can you coach somebody out of that? Can you coach someone out of that? Or is that kind of like inherent in like who they are? That's really hard to coach out. There's a few things. I think the hardest things to coach are one, the locus of control. 
And so mm. it's best to catch that in the interview. Ask questions like, when's the last time you failed to hit a goal? Tell me, tell me why, tell me the circumstances. What did you learn from it? Or just asking them about what they have loved about previous jobs and don't like about previous jobs. You can kind of get an idea of how, what their locus of control is. And the second is, is attitude. It's really hard mm. to coach someone to have a better attitude. Um, you know, it, at the escape game, we have this metaphor for attitude. We call it skunks and cookies. And we have a big vinyl print in our break room of a skunk and a cookie. And basically what it means is, you know, when there's cookies coming out of the oven, everybody smells it. It makes everybody happy. Um, but on the other hand, a skunk affects everyone around them. Like one whiff of that and everybody's smelling smelling it. Same thing with attitude. A good attitude uh, rubs mm. off on everyone around them. One negative attitude um, affects everybody in a huge way. So I'm looking for what we call cookies because I can think of one example and I won't mention their name, although they, they wouldn't mind it. Uh, it rhymes with Steve. <laughs> one example of someone I would say was kind of a skunk. And we talked yeah. about it, and coach, and talked about it. Hey, I want you to grow. I want promotions for you. This is the thing. I said to them, this is the thing that's going to stop you from growing. Is this, when you get frustrated or confused or you don't know what to do or insecure about something, you become a skunk, you become prickly, a porcupine, and that's going to stop you from getting promoted in your career. Um, and I'm happy to say that that is the example of someone that is now a, a great cookie uh, for the team. They, they've been promoted. And again, cookie, when I say that, it's not like this toxic positivity, never sad, never whatever. Like, that's not what it is. It just means yeah. vent up. Like, if there's an issue, talk to someone who can fix the problem. You know, talk to your leader about the issue directly. Uh, don't just go gossip among the team. You know, gossip is an interesting thing. You, interesting thing you bring up. You know, I know like Dave Ramsey has like an anti no gossip policy. If you gossip at Ramsey and you know Solutions and Lampo, they will fire you faster than you can <laughs> get debt free. Right. So like. Do you guys do that same kind of thing with gossip or you just like heavily discourage it? Oh, it's heavily discouraged. And like, we understand people are people. They have bad days. We say cookies sometimes crumble. Like we want to be there and help you. It's not the, you said something once you're, you're out of here. Like, um, but if there's like repetition and there's a pattern of gossiping, like, yeah, we're going to part ways with, with someone. Cause that's going to be bad for the whole team. But our goal is to grow and develop people and have them all be successful here. Yeah. I think this has been something so lacking on this podcast in particular, because you can talk about channels to your blue in the face. And I've had one too many episodes about whether the MQL is real or not. And definitely too many shows on SEO. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've told you this, but like we've, We've forbidden any more conversations on SEO. And it was like, chat with Rand Fishkin. Now we're all done. Put Close that chapter. Come on. Never again. <laughs> People have to invent a new channel to get on the show. But SEO cannot come back Enough on of the um, SEO. That's right. Yeah. But managing the teams. I mean, we have the senior marketers listening to the show. And the idea of whether you have one person, you know, or seven or more, thinking about them. 
how do you how do you balance your day to be able to you, you got to factor that time in you know you got to be able to invest that time you do it's it's time consuming i think uh, a leader should have a huddle with the every direct report every week part of that is don't have too many direct reports because you're probably not going to coach well um for sure but it's it's a balance but a lot of the coaching happens while doing the work so i'm working with the team constantly and that's the thing about coaching like it should be constant and so you just handle it right then and some of it is just hey how I, how might we think about this differently how might we do it differently next time how are you thinking about this let's talk about this back and forth so the coaching hap- the best coaching i think happens during the work not let's go sit down and have a coaching moment although that happens too and that needs to happen there's times for that let's go have a coaching moment hey this is going to be maybe a hard conversation but let's have a coaching moment x y and z but i think the best coaching is just the ongoing day in day out um, so leaders just have to wrap their mind around that's part of the work. If it feels exhausting, just get comfortable being uncomfortable. This is, this is part of it. The coaching happens during the work. Yeah. Talk to me about the accountability. Cause you brought that up as one of the three and I will even say, you know, myself personally, I think, see, I, w- I would do well on the interview. Maybe probably shouldn't hire me, but I would do well. Dude, like, come I on this, right now. Let's go. One of the things that, you know, I really struggle with is holding other people accountable. So talk to me about how you do that. Cause it sounds like it is a core element of being a good manager, good leader. It's uncomfortable at first. It takes some bravery yeah. to coach. It really doesn't hold people accountable. You need a framework that, that makes coaching palatable for you. And in the one I mm-hmm. use, uh, have you heard of Danny Myers? Yeah. Like famous restaurant guy, started Shake Shack, started some awesome restaurants in New York before Shake Shack. Uh, But he has this idea that he calls CGP and it's constant gentle pressure. And so I've just preached this to myself and hold my, held myself accountable to this is this is how I'm going to coach. It's constant gentle pressure. Constant means it's all the time. This is not the end of year review. This is not even in a monthly This is not in a, we're looking back at this big project, our quarterly project, and we're going to talk about it. It's constant. It's all the time. Mm. It's, there's pressure, that P, because on any winning team, there's pressure. Like we want to be good. There's pressure. It's built in. I'm sorry. I can't remove it all. Our team, one of our company values is excellence. We are relentless in our pursuit to be the best. Now that sounds like there's some pressure, right? There is. We want to be a winning team. So it's constant. It's pressure but it's always gentle. It's always gracious would be another G there's for people. We want to see each other succeed. We want to be great teammates and all three have to work together because here's what happens. You remove the C, you remove the constant, your team's got whiplash, everything's cool. And then you hit them in the end of year review with like, you've been very disappointing this year. <laughs> what do I do with that? And you remove pressure. Yeah. That That's where the accountability's uh, gone and you remove gracious and you're just a jerk. And so, uh, Danny yeah. goes on to talk about this idea of the salt shaker where in his restaurants, he always wants the salt shaker like directly in the middle of the table. And he said, it's amazing how often you have to slide it back and tell the person, hey, we want it right here. Say it graciously, but do it constantly and keep the pressure on. Like, oh, no, salt shaker goes right here. He moves it right back to the middle. So this theory of the salt shaker, just keep moving it. I know it sounds silly, but unless you do that, that salt shaker's never staying in the middle of the table. Um, 
And again, it's for the best interest. That waiter is not going to get promoted to bartender because they're not putting the salt shaker in the right place. But if you care about them, you'll keep saying, hey, a little to the left. Let's, you almost get, let's put that salt shaker right in the middle of the table. There, there is a bit of a, you know, you have to have that persistence to, and also, you know, the standard to say, no, no, really, that, that's not middle. You know, I'm not saying I'm saying this out loud, but yeah. in my mind, I'm not going to oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's almost that's it. Kind of, it's like left adjusted kind of middle. No, it's like, it's not the middle. So we're going to call this out and we're going to keep, you know, constant and gentle, but it's not to your point, the excellence. It's not, that's not the middle. So we got to call it out. It's got to be excellent. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And so for me, that was big is like, not just how should I coach? It's okay. You're going to do CGP. You're going to do the salt shaker. So you really need that, that framework to adhere to. And you can make your own, but I think that one's pretty good. So I recommend uh, setting the table by Danny Myers. It goes deep into all that. Talk to me about it, the accountability and the pressure when it's something more repetitive. You know, it makes sense to me when you have a project and you're pushing on a project, you want to push this thing forward. But what if it's managing an escape room? What if it's, you know, customer service facing, they're doing the same thing every day. How do you apply the same coaching and the same pressure for someone who is, you know, doing something consistently? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really the same thing. But what I'd say is you need, it can't feel like this amorphous idea. Like you're trying to help them understand your philosophy that you can't put your finger on. Like, hey, we want to do customer service like this because we want it to be great and we want it to be excellent and we want to be known for hospitality. Like you're trying to teach a mindset. It's, the, it's in the wrong order for your coaching. If it's a repetitive thing, you need to be like, here's the eight rules of the road to do this job well. Here's our mantra. Here's our values. Um, here's the field guide to how to do this. And then you're just pointing that out and just, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what your, your job may be doing these 10 things over and over. Here's exactly how we do it. Because if it's just, hey, try to understand my philosophy. Over time through osmosis, you're going to become more like me and you're going to understand it. Is no way to train. It's really hard to coach. Your team's going to be really frustrated because they're going to feel like, I just don't get it. I thought I did it right. And he came at me with this like really squishy advice, this weird folksy advice for how to do it right or whatever. So it's really like, okay, in that situation, make a field guide, say, this is how we do it. And then you're just salt shaker, middle of the table. That's what the field guide does. Not salt shaker, feng shui, needs to feel right. I want it to look good. It's it goes in the middle. Here's a diagram. It goes. Yeah. It goes here. It goes here. And there's that level of preparation beforehand to say, this is this is where I want it. It's not coming up with it on the on the fly every, you know, every time where it's unpredictable. It's that predictability. That's the work. That's the work. I have not yeah. been successful in coaching when it's trying to get people to understand like Teddy's philosophy on X that I haven't verbalized or written down. Like, yeah, like, if it's not fully baked in your mind, right? Like, what are you going to do? This isn't quite right. The get it factor, I always look for the get it factor. Like, oh my gosh, they get it. They get what we're after. That comes after adhering and coaching the field guide or the standards for a long time. Then all those connections start being made and it's fluid for them. They're just doing it. They're not even thinking about the standards anymore. It's just happening. 
Man. Powerful stuff. So you're, you're picking up things from Danny Meyer, from other people. How do you know these things? Where are you picking them up? Do you have podcasts you listen to? Are there any favorite books you have that you've been picking up? Where do you like to get your information? Love this question. And uh, my wife says I don't read because I listen to Audible. I'd say I do read. I read a lot. I lift. Well, you can tell her officially that that counts. Casey on the podcast. We argue. That. She's like, you don't read any books. It counts. <laughs> it's mainly, yeah, books, podcasts are great. Some books I really love on this topic, Setting the Table, which I mentioned, Culture Code by Daniel Coyle is awesome. It's really great. Um, it talks a lot about coaching. In fact, it, it gives this example that I love. It talks about Neil Payne as a sports analyst. And what he did is he looked at the last 50 years of professional basketball games. And he identified who should win a game based on the talent of the player. So here's how talented, there's a score for how talented your players were that played that night and the other players, uh, who should win. And then he looked at yeah. every coach the last 50 years and looked for wins above expectation. Everybody, mm. with one exception, everybody won basically the amount of games they were supposed to over 50 years. There's one wow. exe exception, which was Greg Popovich. So there's a whole great chapter talking about how he forged, forged bonds with his players, how he treated his superstars. He didn't stop coaching his superstars, which was a big one. Like once someone achieved that promotion or whatever, they got the big contract. He didn't say, well, I don't coach them or have expectations anymore. They, they've done it. And, right. and so really great book. I mean, other than that, um. I'm doing fiction too. I'm going through the Lord of the Rings right now, all three on Audible, going back. That's no, oh, on Audible cool. too. Trying to raise my wow. dadding too. I'm reading a book called The Intentional Father. It's it's really good. I got a seven year old. It's a it's a great book. Man, what are you reading? You know, I'm I'm with you. I and are you tracking these on Goodreads? Sounds like it need to be. You need to be, man. This this is an app that my wife my wife reads a lot. She's at like sixty books this year and I'm at 29, but thanks because I'm around her and she's encouraged That's me to good. do this. But man, I can't remember what I did last weekend, let alone what I read last month. Right. So you go to Goodreads and, and you just, you mark, you give yourself a little review and you mark down what you've read. And so this is actually, it's telling me 28 books this year. Well, whatever it says That's is correct. Wrong, so man, that's it's <laughs> It's fake news. Where's my 29th book? Where's your 29th book? That's okay. Book. I'll add one yeah. this weekend. Uh, yeah, man. You know, science fiction. Lately, I've just been, I've been just into the sci-fi worlds and using that as like my battery recharge time, you know? Um, and that's been really cool. But I will say there's a little book that Simon Sinek has. And in this one, he didn't crush on Apple the entire time. You know, it wasn't like... <laughs> Start with why. Let me just gush on Apple the whole time. Yes. It, it was called Together is Better. I don't know if you've read that one. I haven't, but I it, got some audible credits burning a hole in my pocket. I will do it. Well, unfortunately, and your wife is going to be happy about this. This this is best looked at because there's actually these illustrations that go along with it, right? So, okay. you, and I actually, I got, I was, uh, I was smoking a cigar. I was kind of just like in this zone of, you know, let, let me see what I can get here. And this book was, was touching. Cause it's about these three kids that end up going on a journey and it's a very much a metaphor for a company and the people on a team. So I think you'll really enjoy this one. I think I'll like that. I'll do it. I, I read like not an audible couple a year. Yeah. I'm ready for it. That sounds great, man. I'm in. 
Yeah. Good wreck. Cool. Cool. Well, dude, really, who are you? How how do you know all these things? Take me back in time. Little you days. Let's little go. Teddy, did you know you're going to be a leader, teaching leaders how to coach and having a good time doing it? Like, take me back in time. This was not the plan at all. This was not the plan. <laughs> Montgomery, Alabama, grew up in Montgomery, uh, one of five kids. I spent my whole childhood in the driveway shooting hoops. So that was, that was plan A. Uh, but the growth spurt didn't come. That's my uh, external locus of control right there. My growth spurt didn't come, so I didn't make the pros. Also, I wasn't good. So that contributed <laughs> to not. All that practice and you still weren't good? Come I still on, It wasn't good, man. Uh, yeah, I could be <laughs> like a really great coach. Um, my dad is not an athlete. So, you know, who knows what could have happened. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, so group that you're awesome childhood. Loved it. Uh, came up to Nashville for college. Went to Belmont. Um, and the plan had kind of changed to become a a rock star, a pop star. Um, okay. So played, found some guys, yeah. started playing in a band. Everybody does it at Belmont. It's like, you got to be in a band or two. I was in one. Um, and so after now, college, you playing guitar in the band, you playing sing, guitar, you uh, writing music was really what I love to do was the writing. I was not Belmont standards at guitar. You know, you go to Guitar Center and you hear the people plug in and just start shredding like I plug in and I'm just like, bram, bram, bram. sounds pretty good. I'm not one of those guys. Um, I'm yeah. a decent rhythm player, <laughs> but I love writing music. And so I was writing some pop hooks and uh, me and the guys, we made a good run at it. Like after graduating, we had three years, we all waited tables together in what I call Nashville music purgatory, waiting for the record deal. Come anytime. Yeah. Everybody's doing the same thing. Waiting tables, where's my record deal? Uh, we had a couple close calls, enough to be... Enough to be fun. Had some fun experiences. Open for my favorite band at the time called The Rocket Summer. Um, so, man, it was it was awesome. I wouldn't trade it. Like some failed right. boy band members would be like, I wish I hadn't wasted all that time. I would have jumped into my <laughs> career. Not me. It was awesome. And I say boy band because I don't know people. People can look it up and make their own opinion. We did play our own instruments, but it was boy band esque in some ways. What was it called, man? Half priced hearts, terrible name. Um, so half priced and hearts, very poppy. Um, I think we had some good songs though. Uh, maybe not the undeniable hit that would have, you know, let yeah, you need that York one, rise. right? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have that one. So that's wow, my internal locus of control. If I had written an undeniable hit, we would have made it. I did not. Um, that's like you know, you guys are basically One Direction at that. <laughs> Looking at that photo. I wish, man. That would have been that would have been fun. Um, I like your logo too. We played cool. one uh, arena show, but it was family night at the Nashville Predators. It was not for us, and we were <laughs> terrible. And the tweets coming in were like, "Don't quit your day job," and all this. Oh <laughs> no, dude! Seriously, it was a tough crowd. Well, in our defense, we played to a lot of tracks, and what that means is like. While we are playing our instruments, we have extra harmonies and guitars and synthesizers. It makes it sound huge. We get up there, and this is an arena. And they say, turn your attention to the Music City stage for Half Price Heroes, which is not our name. And so we're already like, oh, my gosh. And we see our dumb faces on the big screen, and we're like, we look silly. And then our bass player goes to play the tracks, which is we play along with these tracks. It was too cold. They wouldn't play. So in that moment, we realized we actually had to play our own instruments like a garage band or something, uh, unprepared, <laughs> unrehearsed in an arena. Um, and that was really the beginning of the end, I think. 
Man. So it was like on the ice kind of thing, just like No, they have a stage and there's always a band at stage. the Nashville uh Predators. Okay. It's kinda like up in the middle um section. But you can see from everywhere and they put you on the big screen. And so it was it was fun. It was a fond memory. Like I look back at the times we failed as fond memories. Yeah. It was it was really fun and silly and we can laugh about it. Dude, it's those unique things though. That I mean that's the stuff that flavors the our lives, but also yeah. eventually our professional careers. We have those experiences. And, and if you've, you know, pseudo failed in front of an arena full of people, not that much else can really phase you, you know, you need some like, failure oh, board meetings. Not, this sales call is not going well. Okay. Well, it's only six people on the phone, you know? Right. Yeah. Could I got more worse. than six negative tweets, like while we were playing. So it's fine. Yeah. 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 It's it's yeah. all good. But I realized, you know, the writing was on the wall. I need to do something else. And so I really felt like I had no skills. I was like, what am I going to do? I had this weird major at Belmont Entertainment Industry Studies, which was new and kind of undeveloped. And what am I going to do? Uh, and was I, it just so you could kind of like just keep playing? Yeah. Well, it was just to be in Nashville, in the industry, yeah. like um, that that whole thing. And so I was like, Back home in Montgomery, hanging out for a couple of weeks after the band didn't make it, kind of resetting. And I'm watching a rerun of Full House. Great show. And it's towards show. the end, Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey, they had started this advertising agency. Maybe you remember this. And like, there's episodes of them pitching ideas for commercials and writing jingles, and they've got the puppets wow. out. And I was like, man, if that's marketing, I can do that. I'm creating, I could write a jingle. I could write a commercial, um, which led to me looking for marketing jobs, which led to me getting a marketing job and realizing that's not what it is at all. <laughs> Some <laughs> right? days it feels like that a little and, and I love it, but regardless, love marketing and, and love doing this every day. That's cool, man. Oh, what, what, what a journey. So that leads you to, the escape room. What what is going on? What what is this? What is it? it just I mean, and, and to be fair, I have never done an escape room. That's great. I've only heard about. Oh right, I'm offended. I and I take that personally. Ah. Michael Jordan meme right there. I take that personally. Um, <laughs> yeah. After the band didn't work, I actually got into music marketing for a few years. That was a great experience. Worked with some lucky enough to work with some huge, crazy clients. Lucked into it. Worked twenty four seven. Yeah. Uh, I did that for like four years, was leading the Nashville office of an agency called CrowdSurf and then saw the escape game. This thing was like this local phenomenon in Nashville. It's taken off and I saw, oh, they opened a second location in Orlando. What's going on here? They're going to probably think about a corporate office at some point if they keep growing. And so timed it well, you know, reached out and said, hey, are you, are you thinking about like building a corporate infrastructure? And ended up going to a coffee with one of the, the co-founders to talk about it. Wow. And that coffee turned into a hot Coke. This is when I knew I liked him. We sat at his coffee shop and the waitress came up and he was like, I'll have a hot cocoa. And it was July. And I was like, this guy's cool. I like this. Make it two hot cocos. Let's do it. And we hit it off. Hot cocoa in July though. That's, he just wanted a little tasty treat, you know, too much coffee, right? Like a little tasty treat. Give me something sweet. That's what I'm about. I'm a dessert guy. So. Uh, yeah, we, we hit it off and that was seven years ago. Just had my seven year tag anniversary, as we call it. The escape oh, game is tag, tag anniversary. Um, and so when we started, we had five locations when I started. We just opened uh, 38 
We've got what? about 10, 10 on the way next year, a couple more this year. So we'll end next year with about 50. We just launched a new product too. Check it out if you're in Nashville or in the DFW area. We're going other places too, but it's called Great Big Game Show. So it's it's not the escape game at all. It's a live immersive game show where you're a contestant, live host, the whole thing. I, super, I think it's a super accessible product. It's uh, We're pumped about it. Hell yeah. That sounds fantastic, man. So cool. you're just having a blast. Um, perfect time to ask you this hypothetical question. Hit me. All right. See, I may or may not have a time machine here in New Hampshire, right? And if I did, I would be in my backyard covered in tarp. So let's say you come visit and we get some beer, some lobster. We, we go, we go. Hey, you know, I'll tell the wife, we'll be back in zero minutes because we'll just come back to the very moment we left, right? And we'll be back in zero time. Um, yes. And so we get to go, you know, mess around on this time machine. And we get to go visit you a couple days after graduating, like four days after graduating. And I mean, I don't think you've had the arena experience yet, right? That has no, not, 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 no, no, yeah. You're, you're that, and you can talk to yourself. What would you tell yourself? What kind of things would you pass along? I would not give away that the band was not going to make it. I wanted to, I want to fully enjoy that ride. The hope, the chasing, the magic, the building. That was great. I think I keep it simple and probably a little cliche. I'd say like, do your best and smile. Cause that's honestly, that's top tier. Like in, in a career, I would, I'll give you the Teddy cheat guarantee. If anyone's new in their marketing career and they've just got a job is that's going to put you in the top three percentile of most places and most of the population. If you genuinely do your best and you keep a good attitude, you smile, you're not just going to keep your job. You're going to get promoted. It's what's going to happen. Um, it's gravity. You just do your best and smile. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't give any spoilers. You're right. You're right. Totally sounds cliche. But at the same time, I find the cliches are often the most accurate things on the planet, which is why they're... <laughs> But like, yeah. you're right though, but I think we, we overlooked the idea that a lot of people don't do their best. And even if they did, a lot of people don't smile. Yeah. So they're not trying, well, a lot of people before. hold back their best. I mean, there's like a really common mentality now. You probably heard it like, I don't get paid enough for that. Or if I get the promotion, like, then you're going to get my best effort. Like I will push yeah, hard yeah. when I get that. I'm like, you will not. It's the same way people think when they say, I will be generous when I've really hit it big financially. You're right. as generous as you're ever going to be. And you're probably as hardworking as you're ever going to be because people always want to progress and make more money, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not this, I'm not paid enough. Like I'm like, my minimum, my, my max effort is minimum wage. Like I'm going to come in like a wrecking ball and have fun and work hard and try hard. And that's going to lead people have it backwards. They're like, the promotion will lead to my effort. I'm like, your effort will lead to the promotion. Like go have fun, work hard. Don't worry about, I don't get paid enough for that. Or it's not my job description. Take joy in the work, have fun. Yeah. Work hard. Work hard and smile, man. Boom. <laughs> Where do people go if they want to see if there's an escape game in their area, if they want to reach out to you and, Talk about coaching. Where do you want them to go? I love it. The escapegame.com. You'll see our new locations popping up all the time. It's very exciting. If you want to talk to me, Teddy Cheek on LinkedIn. It's kind of an easy name to remember. Teddy Cheek. It sounds weird. Sounds fake. That's my name. Uh, yeah. Look me up on LinkedIn. 
Uh, I write a little bit about coaching, teddycheek.com. If you want to go that deep, uh, it's there as well. All right, we'll link to all this. So if you're listening and you're interested, click on the little link right there on your phone. There you go. You don't even have to type it out. You don't even have to type it. <laughs> That's it. That's Sick, it. dude. Man, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on here. I have just been learning, just growing, CGP, all the things we've been talking about today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Again, I love this podcast. I listen. I'm excited to be here hanging, man. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, you, my son, John, and sometimes my dad listen to this podcast. And yes, you, right on. you also, person listening right now, you listen to and thank you for that. Well, dude, I want to say to those listening, if you've learned something, and I freaking know you have, because I have two pages of notes over here, front and back, yeah. then, then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader, one person, nine people, 3,000. But put what you learn, like what's your takeaway? Put that down there. You know, is it is it the, the fear of being a micromanager holding you back from coaching or just that the idea of the skunks and the cookies, right? Let's all be cookies and turkeys, turkeys. this weekend. Or turkeys, yeah. Back to the turkey. Can't <laughs> wait for this meal tomorrow. So ready. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Can't wait for the meal and the, and the resulting nap that happens after. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Teddy, thank you again, sir. You are the man. Thank you. You too. See you later. All right, everyone. This has been another crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.